With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast brought to you by FakeTeams.com. I am yo humble host, Pete Rogers, joined, as always, by Just Clark Barnes. Mr. Class Jordan Smith. Guys, how are we doing? Excellent. Doing great, Pete. Doing most splendid. Um, I do appreciate we're recording this uh, an hour earlier on Jordan's request. Um, but I also do appreciate we're recording it an hour earlier because Clark, Stroh's socks play tonight. Yeah. The baseball season started. It's been going real strong for about a week and a half now, so I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with this series. I was uh, I was at the Celtics home opener last night, um, and so I didn't get to watch the Sox game, but they played uh, Jackie Bradley Jr.'s Grand Slam over the Jumbotron. Woo! Did that place go wild? From a Houston Astros fan perspective, it was devastating. <laughs> so It was not enjoyable to watch. Uh, I was super tired Monday. Uh, fans of the podcast might know, or Tuesday, fans of the Monday podcast might know why. Um, so really was just feeling out of it. So I was streaming it on TBS's incredibly shitty app that crashes constantly. Uh, went to bed uh, two to one. Yep. So I was like, okay, Stroh's getting back in there. Woke up eight to two. And I was like, ah, oh, what the? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Meanwhile, on the other side of the bracket, uh, Jordan, I don't know how much you're identifying with the Milwaukee Brewers, but that series is tied. We're talking baseball here. Um, I'm, I guess, not the biggest baseball fan, but it's cool when, you know, the Brewers are doing well. Nobody was really expecting them until, like, the last three weeks of the baseball season. And, I don't know, it's neat. If, for whatever reason, they went to the World Series, I think I'd have to just go to a game. Well, yeah. How far is the stadium from you? Yeah, like 90 minutes. Oh, that's not bad at all. I think yeah. right down the road was Canson. Yeah. Just oh, it's just to hop on the interstate. Oh. One of the two interstates. <laughs> One of the two of them that drive right through it. I'll spare our 17 Wisconsin fans my accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it if we didn't want to hear it, though. Uh all right, so we are going to do, obviously, talk about uh, some week seven starts and sits. We've spiced up. Um, our tri- traditional kind of usual gig um, just to kind of make it a little fresher, make it bring us, bring a little more content or, or just better content. I feel like uh, as Clark said, we're a podcast. that's always evolving. We're trying something new. Yeah. If you don't like it, please add me. Yep. Just Clark though. Don't add Jordan and I, yeah. we don't, we don't want to hear it, but Clark does. I like Twitter. <laughs> yeah. You Clark can only was... read so many porn bot tweets, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Ted Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but before we go into our week seven starts and sits, we'll of course do our lock recap from last week, um, and we'll start with Jordan, who had two locks last week. Just as he was about to get up and leave, I bring him right back into the podcast. I was going to get a charger. Sorry. Excellent hosting right there. Get to the charger. Get to the charger. Uh, Jordan trying to get back into the standings because he missed a whole bunch of locks, busted out two locks last week, saying that both Robert Woods and Devontae Adams would get you 20 points in PPR. He nailed it. Nailed it with Devontae Adams, who in Yahoo PPR got you over 35 points uh, as he was main catalyst behind Green Bay's offense against the, uh, the Monday night game. And let's take a quick pause here and let's talk Jordan. Uh, how was that game to spectate and witness? Because I feel even just as a fan watching it on TV, it was freaking phenomenal. I can only imagine what the Jordan Smith who called it called into us from the bathroom of Lambeau Field was feeling at the end of that game. Um, it was really cool. Uh, it's great to just be 
a part of like an atmosphere when Aaron Rodgers is doing Aaron Rodgers things like that's the second game this season where he's just had an epic like I'm going to go out there and I'm going to win this game um watching Devonte Adams work and just being um I guess around for Mason Crosby's game-winning field goal, especially when he had such a terrible week and he comes out and just kicks perfectly for the night, which is really awesome to see for him. And um, yeah, people are, I think, sleeping on Devontae Adams, best receiver in football conversation. I I don't know if he's best receiver in football, but I think he's definitely, they was, um, God, oh, it was Chris Sims, who I swear to God, man, I don't think that guy watches tape before he makes his his takes, but he had his top 10 wide receivers uh, glaring omissions from that list were Michael Thomas and I, Devonta Adams. Uh, he had Brandon Cooks and Juju Smith-Schuster as nine and 10 above Devonta Adams and, and Michael Thomas, which really, Chris Sims, are we doing this right now? So as the resident old man for the podcast, uh, all of these stupid mainstream news organizations love putting out top 10 lists because then dummies like us talk about them and stir up things like i do not give a what chris sims thinks about football that's fair sorry that's 19 minutes 19 and a half minutes into the pod what i just wrote down (laughs) sorry (laughs) after after tuesday's episode i was like all right i need to i need to find a better strategy to collect all the f-bobs because i think i even missed one Number one, ask Clark not to drink so much before the podcast. Number two, start writing down when the F-box comes. Yeah. Okay, I took it easy this week. Okay, good, good. good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was a pretty, it was a pretty absurd list that Chris Sims published. But yeah, I, I want to make a correction too. I wasn't actually in the bathroom. I had just gone to the bathroom and I was walking no, look, on my way out. And I was yeah, you looked like, like you were in the concourse like in the tunnel. I know, but and then I ended up going down the wrong road. Just like where my seat was. <laughs> classic Jordan. Class. Just like what Clark was saying, though, when you, when news outlets publish top ten lists to get people talking, it's so much sexier to say Jordan calls us from a bathroom oh, than to yeah. say Jordan calls us from the hallway of Lambo. That's what the people That's want. True. They the want people, the Lambo bathroom, report. right? They want the up close and personal interview while Jordan is in Lambo's bathroom. It's what it's what the people want. Uh, the conversation in the bathroom was, "How are the Brewers doing at the time?" Got to get those checks in on the score and watching Manny Machado be a loser. Being a dick. Um, so anyways, this was a, a small little tangent to say that Devonta Adams had a huge game and won Jordan, one of his locks. And then his second of his locks uh, with Robert Woods getting 20 points, just, just missed. Uh, Robert Woods had 19.10 PPR points as opposed to the 20 that Jordan promised you all. So I feel like we count that. Wow. Clark. Right. I mean, like, I'm not in charge, but I feel like that counts. I do feel like that's pretty damn good. Like, combined, they went over 40. Which right? is exactly what Jordan was saying. So then if Jordan's lost record... by a point, then I am sorry. That's fair. If Robert Woods failed, if you were relying on that 20 points and you lost by one point because he only got you 19. If you lost Jordan by nine or fewer, tweet to the podcast. Yep. And we'll see what we can do for you. Um, so in that case, Jordan has a winning record so far in his locks. He's two and one uh, on his locks, which is yeah, but impressive. he only does like one. So right, I mean, <laughs> he's he's no Clark Barnes, who's wasted all of his lock puns within the first couple of a uh, couple of weeks of the season. Um, my lock this week was it wasn't two locks; it was one singular lock that Gronk and Kelsey were each going to get you over fourteen points. Um, and I was dumb enough to even say that that was going to be standard scoring. That did not happen. I should have trusted that Bill Belichick's number one on his to-do list against the Chiefs was to shut down Travis Kelsey, which they mildly did. Uh, Kelsey had 11 points in PPR. Gronk had 12. So I am one in six on the year in my locks. Isn't it so funny that we're talking about Belichick's goal to slow down the Chiefs and it totally worked because they only scored 40 points. Right. I mean, it was a fantastic game plan to shut oh, down. Just, that whole game was just, just nailed. I mean, like, I love good defensive football too, but like, that was just a beautiful that game, offense. That game was, oh, uh, that game was, uh, it was so exceptional. And, oh, God damn it. Was, we could go on for hours about how great that game was. Um, so I'm one in six, and Clerk Burns, Mr. Lockman himself, uh, had Naheem Hines going the first time that Clark only had one lock on the week. 
had Naheem Hines going for 100 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown, which didn't even get close to that. I mean, a little aggressive. A little aggressive. But I liked it. I appreciated it, especially as a Naheem Hines owner. But then Marlon Mack came back and the Colts were like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. We have a thriving young rookie running back that we wanted to employ. No, no, no. It's Marlon Mack's backfield. So I feel like this was the week that Naheem Hines. I hope I have this right. I really hope I have this right. He had the open touchdown when kind of no one was around him and they decided to jump in the end zone and dropped it. And I feel like that was just like he was being punished for the rest of the game because of that. And I was so sad. Yeah, that was that was uh, not a great not a great look for. Sorry, for listeners. So, anyways, Sorry. so so Clark's record is now one and nine. Um, so it's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Hey, you know what? This is the season of just shooting your shot with some of these matchups. In a season where uh, Julio Jones hasn't scored a touchdown in like eleven games, and Odell Beckham has two on the season. You just you gotta take your chances with like an Albert Wilson or a Naheem Hines because yeah, you really do. I'm playing in a league where there's 12 teams and seven of us are three and three right now. Like it's just one of those seasons. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've confused lock with hot takes. <laughs> That's what I was getting out for my lock. He's not week. playing to like win any kind of lock record. He's just playing to just be like, I'm gonna say this flaming hot take, and when it's right, I'm gonna look like a. I want to be able to point back at something like, I told you Albert Wilson was getting at 150 yards. None of y'all had that. It's a numbers game, really. It is. Nobody remembers the inaccuracies. They remember when you get it right. F&A right. F&A right. Uh, Excellent. So those are the recaps for the locks uh, last week and our current standings, how we're doing. Hopefully, hopefully this week, Clark and I can start gaining ground on Jordan, who's just masterfully uh, been correct with his locks. Um, And so we'll smooth... Move right in, brilliantly smooth transition into week seven starts and sits. And like I said at the top of the show, we uh, are doing this a little differently. Not anything drastic. We're just adding a little something. Uh, we're just going to give a start or a sit for each game. Um, and because, you know, we all felt like we were just kind of talking about the same people over and over and over again. Because if you're picking a start and a sit, there's only so many players that you can choose from. Hopefully this way, you know. Hopefully this way we get some more variety as to who we talk about and it's players who we feel strongly about. uh, And, you know, we'll go from there. We'll see how it rolls. We're an ever evolving podcast, much like the human race. So evolution, evolution. Uh, But what hasn't changed are the categories. Categories are still here and we will start with the bottom of the category list, the shit shows. And we'll start with Clark. And I'm going to add a lengthy pregnant pause here so that Clark wonders exactly which matchup am i going to talk to him am i going to throw to him as a shit show this is always my favorite segment of the pod for all of you microsoft uh word fans out there i have all of my games set as a subheader so that i can minimize them and then quickly pivot Ooh. whatever pete throws to me so saucy exciting uh very exciting this, stuff here this is a good a good pregnant pause that was just used to explain Clark's methodology. Um, the Tennessee Titans, the Kibosh Titans heading to LA to take on the Chargers. Clark, is there anyone in this game that you like to start? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the, the Titans snapped their streak of completely impotent offensive outputs this week against the Chargers. Uh, they're, the Chargers defense hasn't been great. And I think the Chargers offense has been good enough to overcome what the Titans have done on defense. So I really like this game. I'm going to try to get my starters in there if I can. And my sneaky slash not so sneaky sit, but I think someone a lot of people have been starting in their flex is Austin Eckler. The Titans are number six and fewest fantasy points given up to RBs. So I think Melvin Gordon's a fine start, but I don't think you want to go with a backup running back this week. So find another flex, find another RB3, sit Austin Eckler. And lock of the week, sponsored by no one, is Dion Lewis finally gets back on the old racehorse and goes over 100 yards from scrimmage. This is just, we're just going to rebrand this instead of, for Jordan and I, it'll be locks. For Clark, it's my flaming hot take of the week, <laughs> Dion Lewis. That's what lock means, yards. right? And we can get that sponsored by Fireball. No. no. 
No. I will take almost any sponsor that comes, but someone who puts a bunch of sugar and freaking cinnamon into whiskey, no. Oh, but Fireball's so delicious. Depending on what offer they make us. <laughs> Depending. So you hear that, Fireball. You need to come with your best offer because don't we know some, you've been dying to sponsor this podcast. Don't come with some weak shit. T-shirts. I want, don't. like, case. Clark wants, Clark wants a lifetime supply of Fireball in order for in order to sign off on this partnership. I'm big on prepping. I think that you should put some things away just in case you lose your power, just in case things don't go right for a couple of weeks. And I could use a couple of cases of Fireball. Just there's there's nothing there's nothing in this world that better prepares you for power outage than Fireball. Right. Yeah. It's proven. Fireball uh, card. Yeah. I like the I like the Austin Eckler. That's a good it's a good player to, because like you said, like a lot of people I think will play him in in their flex and utilize him. Um and so I think if he's down for if this is going to be a bad week for him, then uh it could affect a lot of teams. So a good player to kind of take note of. Here's some kicker talk for you. Streaming Ryan Suckup because he was like a top three at his position rank and they couldn't even get a field goal. I'm not touching anything on the Titans anymore. Yeah, the Titans, the are, Titans are just really good at taking the air out of the ball lately. And that's how they're three and three. Like they haven't played any great games, but they've slowed the game down. And they won like 12 to nine and 14 to 10. And I think the Chargers are going to overcome that a little bit but i yeah. don't think i like i think this is a down week for the chargers that's fair all right let's move on to the other team in los angeles but they won't be playing in la the la rams head to san francisco to take on the 49ers and yes the 49ers played a competitive game against the green bay packers but it, does anyone believe that this is going to be a good game i feel like cj bethard utilized his his best for football talents last week on monday and, and now he's just going to be garbage I mean, it's why it's all hail to Kyle Shanahan. Right. It's like, with CJ Beathard, this is what you can do? It's amazing. Hey, Imagine goodness. what he is. I suggested Beathard last week as an option for you did? purposes. And he's averaging like 20 points a game last three weeks. It's not like great, but it's okay. Yeah, maybe this, this game might not be a total shit show. This actually could be a good week of football, unlike last week. This could be a good week of football. Um, so my start for this game, despite the fact that I have no faith in the 49ers, is Marquise Goodwin. Uh, and I, I liked seeing his connection with uh, with Beathard develop um, and blossom last week against the Packers. He had two touchdowns, a career high, it should be noted. Um, but the biggest thing going for the Marquise Goodwin uh, uh, production standpoint is the Rams, while on paper a great defense, have allowed the most 40-plus yard passing plays this season with seven and are set tied for seventh with the most 20 plus yard plays with 22. Um, and so Goodwin has that, you know, elite track speed to get down the field. And I think if he pulls off one or two, you know, big play plays down the field, like Jordan talked about when we were talking about Cameron Brake last week, Cameron Brake scores from whatever, 10, 15 yards out plus a touchdown. It's a solid eight points right there. Marquise Goodwin gets you one 50 yard touchdown. That's a solid whatever ten points right there. So he's someone who I think you can start with uh, with some pretty good confidence against the against the Rams this week. Yeah, I really like Marquise Goodwin. I think he's kind of a uh, B level Tyreek Hill when he, it, that he's just kind of a step behind. But you kind of forget how like truly blazing fast these two receivers are, and if you like just kind of sleep on him for one play, he is probably going to get behind you and nobody's going to catch up to him after the fact. So, Right. It's exactly like, I mean, Tyreek Hill against the Patriots had obviously a lot of other plays, but if, even if Tyreek Hill had been kept completely quiet until that last touchdown, where it was whatever, a 60-yard touchdown, even if that was his only play of the game last week, like he still gave you fantasy production. You know, that's mm -hmm. still six points for yards, one point for a reception and whatever, six points again for a touchdown. So if Marquise Goodwin pulls off one of those against the defense that has allowed the most of those so far this season, that's all you need for a, for a legit flex spot. And I've dropped him recently, so you know he's going to do really well. <laughs> so anyone Clark that anyone that Clark's given up on is going to perform very well just despite him the one thing we know for certain in this world. Uh, the last game in the shit show is the Buffalo Bills led by Derek Anderson, not Nathan Peterman. Never don't, don't be thinking that the interception King is going to be having a, another time to show his stuff. Uh, taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Clark, what do you got? So I think the big difference 
between how this game could have gone and how I think the game is going to go is that Derek Anderson is a competent quarterback. He's not great. He's okay. And I don't like, I don't know Nathan Peterman and I don't want to be a dick, but like, he's not very good, Mm. right? He throws interceptions all the time. Last week when Josh Allen got hurt and it was 13 to 13, I literally sent a text message to all of my friends saying, it's going to be great when the Texans get this interception and kick the field goal to win. And I wasn't exactly right, but I was pretty close. But Derek Anderson, we've seen in Carolina for the past couple of years, is a a competent quarterback. And I think that makes him the best quarterback that the Bills have started this season. No slight to Josh Allen, but he's a rookie. Derek Anderson's pretty good. So my sneaky start this week, I think Kelvin Benjamin gives you 12 to 13 standard scoring points this week. I think Derek Anderson is going to target him because Kelvin Benjamin's the number one wide receiver. And I think Kelvin Benjamin's finally going to have an opportunity to catch a couple of passes. Um, So I think he tees off on that. Also, selfishly, it looks like T.Y. Hilton's going to play this week. And boy, I couldn't be happier to get someone that I've touted all offseason in the game when Andrew Luck is throwing for 400 yards every gosh darn week. Yeah, so, I'm very happy about that, too. Um, did Derek Anderson and Kelvin Benjamin ever overlap in Carolina? I looked extensively on PFF. Like, I decided that this was something that I was going that to was talk about. Street you're looked, going down? And then I looked for the stats that, to, to back me up, and I, I, I couldn't find anything. So, no. Yeah, that's a bummer. Or tweet me that I missed it. Um, because no, yeah, because because no. if they did have any overlap, then that's you know that's something that you already have a slight comfort with with him. I think must have. So overlapped. We had Calvin Benjamin with the ACL injury two years ago, and then we had Cam Newton playing a realism right, full saying, season three years ago, and uh, Kelvin's only been in the league for a couple of years, so I don't think so. I mean, Kelvin Benjamin got drafted. We're doing a little quick research here with the uh, fake team stats and information. Kelvin Benjamin came into the year, came into the league 2014. And Derek Anderson was the backup quarterback for Carolina 2014 till 2017 when he got bounced. Uh, so even if they never played together, they were still practicing relatively yeah. on they are acquaintances, which sure could be something. I think Derek Anderson has just shown himself in Carolina to be competent. Yeah. Like kind of the Matt Schaub-esque back. Like he's fine. He's a good quarterback. And I think yeah. that guy knows enough to throw it to Kelvin Benjamin eight times. And and Kelvin Benjamin, Benjamin for all, the shit, all the shit we give him, is a 6'5 behemoth who yeah. like can box out anyone. So it's not, it wouldn't, it's not shocking if Derek right. Anderson could just throw a couple of jump balls that he comes down with them. Yeah, and I'm not saying Benjamin is the best receiver in the world. I'm just saying he's six five, and the big corner on him right. is five eleven. I mean, right. yeah. yeah, I like it. A couple things to add is that the Colts aren't exactly beating the world on defense, and uh, they're not anything to be truly afraid of. And I think sometimes what can happen, I have no stats to back this up. It's just kind of a gut feeling that when your season is kind of just going down the tubes. Um, whether that's through a QB injury like um, the 49ers or with the Bills, who they don't know how long Josh Allen could actually be out for, that I feel like teams sometimes just go fully onto the scheme and mm-hmm. go into the plays and not about who they're actually getting the ball to. Um, and when you know when your back's against the wall and you're um, a relatively proud franchise like the Bills that. Sometimes that's all you need to get a little bit of a spark going and at least doing some things offensively. We saw that with the 49ers on Monday that, you know, just because they don't have their franchise doesn't mean they're not going to try and, you know, spread the ball around and all that good stuff. Yeah, I really like that point. And the Colts have played a lot of really close games. The Bills have been really spunky. So I think this is going to be a sneaky, just fun football game to watch. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's leave the shit shows and let's move on to the if I am bored. Just as Clark says, like, you know, this could be a really good entertaining game. I'm like, all right, let's move on from the shit shows and let's go on to the if I'm bored category. <laughs> uh, and we'll start with the Denver Broncos taking on the Arizona Cardinals. And I, I I hate to, like, state the obvious here. Like, it's 
I, I know it's not helpful to anyone, but start David Johnson in this game for the love of God. I, I know that I know that you wouldn't necessarily not think to start him, but he has, you know, he's had a, a a slow start to the year. He started to get his footing again. Um, you know, he he's been able to be pretty productive now that the Cardinals have realized that actually he's a talented running back, but he hasn't gone over 60 yards. He's still pretty touchdown reliant, but this is going to be the best game of Johnson's season. Like it's just it has to be. He's gonna get his feet back under him. The Broncos defense over the last two weeks has allowed 550 yards and three touchdowns on the ground, an average of 36.95 points to opposing backs, almost 40 points that they have allowed to opposing backs over the last two weeks per back. The next closest is the Chiefs, who've allowed 26.65 points to back. Like the Broncos defense is hot garbage. And this for me is a litmus test game on how the Cardinals offense and how North Turner like under or not North Turner. Mike McCoy. Isn't it Mike McCoy's their offensive coordinator? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's Mike McCoy. North Turner. I don't know. Both these else. teams suck. I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> this really should have been in the shit shows. I don't know. I just <laughs> I don't to say, Pete. I don't really know why this is in the if I'm bored. Uh For fantasy, it is not a shit show, but but as an actual football game. For Anyways, football games, so. if the Cardinals, if David Johnson doesn't get like 20 carries and isn't utilized in this game, I've completely given up on this Cardinals offense and their and their coaching staff because <laughs> you, you work, you run your best player against the defense that has not been able to stop anyone on the ground 10 out of 10 times. And I hate to use such wishy-washy analysis of like watching the Cardinals with Josh Rosen they look better. They don't look good. I'd be really surprised if they win four games this year, but Josh Rosen seems to understand football and he seems to be a relatively good quarterback for a rookie. So that, that gives me inspiration to start David Johnson here is like Josh Rosen's going to be able to get him into the right play right. and he's going to be able to threaten them just enough so that David Johnson can get, you know, 80 yards in a touchdown and finally be viable. Just, yeah, just give me, give me like a 15 plus point performance, DJ. The only thing stopping the Cardinals in this game is literally themselves. Um, I was reading my good buddy, Danny Kelly over at the ringer and he noted that the Cardinals were 29th in total rushing attempts, but were first in rushing attempts right up the middle. So like 63% of their rushes are just going right up the middle with David Johnson, who is an explosive can bounce outside and go off the tackles really well. And teams are literally just stacking the box and selling out to stop the run. And it's completely unimaginative. And they're the only ones that are stopping themselves in this game, even if Denver is just abysmal. I really wanted to make this my lock this week, but I just, I don't trust the Cardinals coaching staff enough. Jordan, it's stats like that that make me feel slightly better about Bill O'Brien being the Texans coach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Makes you feel a little bit, a little decently better. Uh, let's move on to Jordan's new favorite team. Even though the Packers were able to win a game, they are on a bye, so Jordan can officially replace the Packers this week with the New York Jets, who, man, they're at home against Minnesota Vikings, and they would rise in Jordan's power rankings if they were able to defeat an NFC North rival. Yes, I will have my New York Jets hat on, um, metaphorical hat. I don't really have one. My lock of the week is that the Packers cannot lose. Um, I am starting. New era, sponsorship, possibility. I'm Jordan needs a Jets hat. Let's get New Jordan era, a Jets lids, hat. All of them, champs. <laughs> um, I'm starting to, I guess my, my start, because, I mean, the Vikings, you just start just about everybody except maybe Dalvin Cook Um, but I'm starting to take a look at Sam Darnold Um, he doesn't have his best weapon with Quincy Nunwa out but the Vikings did lose Mike Hughes which is pretty huge for their secondary that was already having a pretty spotty uh, performance this season already Uh, I like that the Jets are at home as well Uh, I think that's something that should be looked at, especially for a rookie QB. Um, and Darnold has five touchdowns in the past two weeks, um, which is pretty nice. I feel like he's starting to get a little bit of a rhythm. He does have two picks, but um, I don't know. If he can take care of the ball, then he's a pretty solid um, player to at least take a flyer on, to look and add to your bench if you got – or we're hitting into the meat of 
buy season right, right now. So, yeah. I like and in DFS lineups, he's probably pretty cheap, especially facing a, t- a defense that has had such a stoic history that I feel like a lot of DFS sites will probably overplay how good their defense actually is. And, and you could probably get Darnold pretty cheap. Yeah, still very much giving the Vikings the benefit of the doubt, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to take a break from fantasy, Sam Darnold has played what good breakout rookies will play like. Like, he's been up and down, but he's had some really good movements or really good moments. He looks like he understands what's happening, and he's made some kind of boneheaded mistakes, but that's the kind of guy that can get you three touchdowns and one interception, like you said, for DFS for, like, $5,300. Yeah, you know, and you'll uh, take that. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of luck and how he plays. And just like he's a very intelligent player who's prone to make kind of some dumb mistakes. Right. He just but, goes for it all the time, which right. is not great, but it is not the worst thing in the world when you have that kind of talent. But he also has just like gorgeous touch on his throws. I mean, some of his deep ball throws are just right in the bread basket. And that's and that's what luck came into the league with. Um, so I really like it. I like it. Uh Clark, let's move on to Yo, the showdown of all showdowns, Houston Texans at Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Oh my gosh, Clark, on a scale of one to Noivus, what are you feeling? So I feel like this game has been once again miscategorized as <laughs> game of the week, as what you meant to say, Pete. Uh, these two offensive behemoths will be squaring off in Jacksonville after the Texans were embarrassed uh, by the Jags earlier this season. Um, I think this is for fantasy purposes going to be a real shit show. Both of these defenses are really good. The Jacksonville defense is much better, and the Texans' offensive line is much worse than the Jacksonville offensive line. So, if I can, I'm trying to get away from everyone in this game not named DeAndre Hopkins. I think my sneaky start this week is Kiki Cutie. If you have to for like a flex, you're a third wide receiver because the Jags outside corners are just so good. And I I don't think anybody can stop DeAndre Hopkins, but they can certainly slow him down. And I mean, Will Fuller's been banged up. You really don't want to play him against Boye. Uh, no one's going to be able to run in this game, I don't think. Uh, so yeah, the sneaky start is QT and as interested as I am in watching this game for real football purposes for fantasy, if the break ties against everyone in this game. Wasn't, weren't you talking about Clark, how the Jaguars defense in the past or earlier this season was susceptible to crossing routes. Well, the, the Houston defense and the Jacksonville defense are very susceptible to that. Uh, the Houston defense, because they are shit outside of their front seven, and the Jacksonville defense, because they have two of the best corners in the league. Right. So uh, so you attack the Jaguars by doing crossing routes with your slot receiver because you just have to. And with the Texans, it's like, what an obvious advantage. Let's just do this. <laughs> but I think that I think that plays into the Kiki Kuti uh, narrative. Is that that's that's where like we've talked about this a lot on the podcast where basically he's being used to replace the running game by throwing a lot of short intermediate routes and letting him get yards after the catch. Yeah, they're trying to get it to him. You can tell that they're scheming him the ball and that doesn't mean that he's good, but they're really trying to scheme him the ball. And I think as soon as Watson can understand, like, yes, you have Will Fuller you know, one of the fastest wide receivers in the league who's always banged up. Yes, you have DeAndre Hopkins, who is perhaps the best wide receiver in the league. But like, hey, look at this little guy like running wide open across the middle. Like, just dump it off to him when you see seven huge dudes about to murder you. Like, just just throw it to him. Just throw it to him and let him do something. Yeah. It's a good sign when you saw Cole Beasley, like, just carving up, running those kind of routes last week. Right. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. Kiki Gucci. Do the exact same thing. Do Do that. Just do exactly that. Uh, last game in the if I'm bored category is the Detroit Lions heading to Miami to take on the Dolphins, who we have really no idea who they are. But I think Brock Lobster is still starting for them this week. Don't we not have any idea who either of these teams are? That's very true, too. We also don't really know who the Lions are. It's it's Brocktober, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, especially when Brock Holt hits a grand slam against the Strohs tonight. I don't know. I'm a pretty big fan of Brock Osweiler beating 
the Bears after the Bears had two weeks to prepare for that game. I thought that was very that was, special. I that think was, that's the first time anyone has ever said, I am a big fan of Brock Osweiler. That was Other sweet. than like Agnes Osweiler, who's Brock Osweiler's mom. No one has ever said that phrase. Fair. That's because you went all Ocean's Eleven on your team down in Houston there, Clark. Just taking all the money in the vault. <laughs> I don't get that reference. Is that a movie? 66.666% <laughs> of the podcast. Killing it as usual. Uh, Jordan, who are you starting or sitting in this game? Um, I am probably going to take another look at starting Kerryon Johnson. Um, part of that has to do with uh, Theo Riddick missing practice time this week, um, which is a little bit curious because the Lions were on a bye. So if he hasn't, um, if he has a lingering injury that hasn't um, healed up over the past two weeks, then it might be something a little bit more serious than they're letting on. Um, but I mean, Kerryon Johnson and the rest of the Lions offense should be pretty well rested after the bye. We'll see if they can perform a little bit better against the Dolphins in that case. Um, the Dolphins are coming off of an overtime win, though, so there could be a little bit of a hangover, a little bit of a lag from that. Um, the Dolphins have given up the second most fantasy points to running backs so far this year, um, despite having a pretty rock-solid defense. Um, they're 23rd in DVOA against running backs, and really the only thing is you just got to hope that Blount doesn't vulture touchdowns. Like, he was averaging two yards per carry in their last game, but still had two touchdowns taken away. And I'm tired of LeGarrette Blunt taking. Yeah. That was a very (laughs) uh, blunt for the Patriots esque. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's amazing to me uh, that, that carry on Johnson hasn't been utilized more in the lions offense. Well, so the, or maybe not, maybe what I don't like, no, no, I'm with you. What I don't like is that, Carryon Johnson is clearly the best running back overall for mm-hmm. the Lions, but we've seen with the Patriots uh, when we have someone who does one thing really well, like I do right. not give an F about your fantasy team. And that's what I saw with the Lions the last time they played. I was like, oh, first thing off from the two, we're going to put this giant running back in who does a really good job, much to the chagrin of Carryon Johnson. Right. Owners. I'm hoping that off of the bye, we see more from him. Let's phase Theo Riddick out. Like, he's kind of a gimmick back, and hopefully it will be just Blunt and Carrion Johnson. But I think Carrion Johnson has shown that he is good, and we yeah. should expect more usage out of him as the year goes on. I would hope so. As a Carrion Johnson owner, I would love for him to start having some big games. Um All right, so let's move on to the these will be good games, and we'll start off with the Cleveland Browns heading to Tampa Bay, and the reason this could be a good game is because uh, this could just be an epic shootout of mass proportions, especially since the Browns' defense did not look as uh, up to the billing last week against the Chargers. Um, Oh, God, do I want to make this my lock? How many times do they mention that these two teams run hard knocks the past two years during Ooh. the broadcast? Over that under be an over under. That is a good over under. Over under five and a half times. I'll take the over. I so one of my kind friends has been nice enough to share their cable login with me so that I can watch NFL Red Zone. And I literally cannot thank them enough. Me being able to watch Red Zone instead of listening yeah. to the commentators and Watching all of those commercials, like, <sighs> it's nice. Old man rant. Um, I am going to, ha, I'm going to not, I'm not going to make this my lock, but my start is Baker Mayfield. Um, I picked this game just so that I could preach the choir, uh, preach the, the gospel of Baker Mayfield as a, as a fantasy quarterback this week. Start, stream, pick him up in DFS, like like Jordan was saying about uh, Sam Darnold. The Bucks' defense is the worst in the NFL against opposing quarterbacks. They've allowed 28.39 fantasy points per game and have allowed 300 passing yards in every single game this season to a quarterback. So this is the first time where we're seeing Baker Mayfield having – he's now, what, four weeks into being integrated into that offense. He knows his tools. He knows the offense. He's starting to hit his stride, and he's about to face – the worst defense in the NFL, possibly historically the worst def- pass defense ever in football. Um, I 
am very excited to see what he can do and if he can take advantage of this matchup. I was so close. I've been so close to locking up a lot of these picks so far, but I'm saving it from sort of from one of my final one. But Baker Mayfield uh, is a start this week, big time. Yeah, as a Jarvis Landry owner, it's been a little bit frustrating for how long it's taking him to get his best receiver involved in the passing game. Um, usually you see, I mean, Jarvis Landry will have zero catches, and then all of a sudden in the second half, he'll be up to four, like, almost immediately. So I'd like to see him uh, hit his best receiver a little bit more early and often. The good news is, though, is that Baker's really got a pretty good developing connection with David Njoku, which is really sexy for people who are, you know, needing good tight end play. And, yeah, I mean, this could end up just being a, another wild shootout for Tampa Bay, and you might just want both quarterbacks in this instance. Yeah, the Tampa Bay defense has been terrible. So if you're waiting for the Baker Mayfield breakout, this is it. And his and the thing too is, is the Browns uh, matchups after this are also equally bad in terms of in terms of pass defense. I think they play the Chiefs and they also play the Falcons. Um, and so if Baker can take advantage of the worst matchup and get the gears get the balls rolling. Uh, then he'll be able to still go into matchups that he is still has a big favorite in and and be able to continue to thrive and produce. So uh, speaking of the Atlanta Falcons, the New York Giants are heading to Atlanta to take them on. Uh, Jordan, who do you like in this game or or dislike? Um, this is going to be my pop lock and drop it for the week is definitely starting Austin Hooper. Um, he's really starting to come around here over the past two weeks. Um, he's averaging nine catches per game, um, which is actually tied for the most in the league over the past two weeks, which is super nice, especially in PPR. Um, and at home, Atlanta's touchdown percentage is 9.1% compared to 1.1% on the road. So um, I like the idea of them being in a dome at home in Georgia. That's even better than their touchdown percentage compared to Julio Jones's touchdown percentage. Mm. It's fair. Do you think there's some animosity between Austin Hooper and Julio Jones because Austin Hooper's been taking all of Julio Jones's touchdowns? Uh, it's possible. It's a good transition here, though, because I my last note on it is they're also average, or the Falcons are averaging 28 points per game, and Julio has no touchdowns, which means that if they're scoring up to four TDs a game, there's a very good chance that Austin Hooper has one or two of those. It's a good point. Which is nice. Or Calvin Ridley has another three of them. No, that's true. <laughs> well, and as someone who just is a bad gambler who really enjoys it, you should buy Julio Jones, right? Like, even if he only gets his four touchdowns, we're through half of the season. He has zero. Even if he has his really lackluster four, you're getting that portion of his 1,600 yards plus his four touchdowns. I feel like it's almost impossible for Julio Jones to get 1,700 yards and one touchdown. So I think go out and get Julio and then reap the benefit of his three. His sudden touchdowns. his sudden touchdown discovery yeah. when he gets when he gets the cure and the anecdote for his touchdown allergy. It'll just be a couple weeks, but at least you'll get him instead of the guy who drafted him early. And right. I mean, out. if you get him at week seven and then from week seven to week 17 or week what i guess yeah week 16 i guess um if they if he scores five touchdowns in there that's a very productive wide receiver one in that time frame and you've just ignored the whole time where he wasn't scoring touchdowns so to you that was a great 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 get i'm gonna go try to get him i don't do that the one person in clark's league don't listen to this part of the pot go back skip skip over the last five minutes like five people i know listen to this and now you're screwed. They really rake me over the coals with trades. Yeah, they're going. That's through. why I always give up bad information on the podcast <laughs> just in case. This is, oh. listening. This is okay. why you should never listen to Jordan's advice. Okay, we're moving on to the New England Patriots taking on the Chicago Bears, and I've delayed it enough. This is going to be my Melrose Place starring Heather Locklear, Lock of the Week. Uh, Tariq nice. Cohen, thank you, thank you. His offensive, his role in the offense is growing. He's had seven receptions in the last two games. And Clark and I were talking about this before we hit record. If you look at his uh, next gen stat charts, they're using him all over the field, um, and that is so beautiful, so wonderful. It's great to see if you're a Tariq Cohen owner or just a fan of, of 
good players being utilized in the correct manner, unlike David Johnson, if we can go uh, back to that. Texas. <clears throat> or the Texans, or Amari Cooper, or all of, there's a lot of players on this list. Yes. Aaron Jones. Um, Nick, on Tuesday's podcast, when he was talking waiver wire ads, was talking about Taylor Gabriel because he mentioned that the Patriots' speed, their defensive speed, uh, is really bad, which it is. We saw it against Tyreek Hill um, and the Chiefs' just general offense. And Kareem Hunt busted them for a big touchdown, too. Uh, That being said, the reason I didn't pick Taylor Gabriel here is because Taylor Gabriel, in the last two games, despite having huge games, they're still reliant on that big play downfield. The Bears haven't thrown him anything um, intermediate. It's all deep shot or screens. And if none of those hit, Taylor Gabriel doesn't give you any fantasy advice or uh, any fantasy relevance, points, whatever. Uh, Tariq Cohen, on the other hand, has become a vital part of this offense. He's running the football. They're using him in the pass game all over the field. The last two weeks, the Pats defense has given up the most receptions and the most receiving yards to running backs. That trend is going to continue Tariq Cohen, if you start him, is going to get you 20 points uh, in PPR. Yeah, I like that. The Patriots, uh, they say this over and over, almost as much as they talk about Chris Hogan being a former lacrosse player, is that the Patriots play that. Yeah. Did you know? Did you know that, Jordan? Did you know that? I I think he mentioned it actually in his intro, but that was the first time I ever heard it. Oh, yeah. He used to play lacrosse. Yeah. Um, So the... The Patriots defense is very slow and they do a great job of holding teams to field goals. So for fantasy purposes, the the fast positional player is fantastic. Yeah. Their linebackers are not good. No. Uh, and they Especially... can stuff you up the middle, but the, the Chiefs show that they know how to get around that. Um yeah. Also had another point, totally forgot what it was. So good talk. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just looking at the comparison between just how Tariq Cohen's being used. It's beautiful. Oh. Uh, Taylor Gabriel has had these stretches in his career several times where he has a couple of really good games and then he kind of fades to obscurity. And that doesn't mean that that's going to happen now, but I feel like Taylor Gabriel is just a fine NFL player and there's no reason to get so excited. Defenses are going to adjust. I think he's just going to fade back into obscurity. So if you have him and somebody else wants him, trade him or don't waste your fab budget or waiver priority on Taylor Gabriel. I think what's going to happen is, is the Patriots are going to put Stefan Gilmore against uh, Allen Robinson, just leave him on an Island and they're going to have a safety help over the top, always with Taylor Gabriel to prevent that big play. And that is just going to leave so much open field space for Tariq Cohen against linebackers, against Patrick Chung, against whomever you have on him. And he's just going to eat. Like I, I just don't think, that Tariq Cohen leaves this game without at least 60 yards receiving and a touchdown. I think the Pats are going to do exactly what they did against the Chiefs, except Pat Mahomes is good at quarterback. They're going to drop back into zone. They're going to make you run the ball against him in between the 20s. They're going to make you hit these pinpoint passes. And Mitchell Trubisky is shitty. Yeah. He's not good. Like I know he had two amazing games throwing two wide-open receivers, but he also had four games where he missed completely wide-open receivers. I feel like, who kicks field goals for the Bears? That person's going to be a good start. <laughs> That's the week. fantasy start of the week. Yeah, like that. that is there's no way the Bears score three touchdowns this week. No way. It's fair. Uh, all right, let's move on to games of the week. We've got four games left on the docket. Um Dallas versus Washington, and I know this might be absurd to put into games of the week, but I kind of feel like this could be a really good game. I feel like both teams are coming off big wins, and they could get hyped up for an NFC East showdown. Am I the only one who feels this? Probably. Cowboys and Indians is always a good game. This isn't on primetime, is it? I don't know. Oh, my God. That would be the least surprising thing. It's probably on primetime. It's almost certainly on primetime. We're we're insufferable. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Joe... Troy Aikman's going to have an erection the entire time as he talks about the Cowboys. No, well, I mean, to be them. fair, I have an erection all the time. That's <laughs> <for> medication. <laughs> uh, to Jordan. Hair back. <laughs> what do you, what do you got for this game? Um, well, for me, I'm going to just continue to rain all over the Cowboys parade. Um, sitting Dak Prescott. I know he had a pretty solid game last week, but I'm, not confident you can just plug him in and expect that same sort of production week after week, um, especially with who the Cowboys have as their head coach. 
Um, he might be worth a flyer uh, to put to bring in on your bench because he's only 26% owned in ESPN leagues. Um, but again, like I said, it's hard to know if they've actually turned the corner. Uh, it's a good sign that he had a rushing touchdown to go along with 82 yards on the ground. Um, that's always pretty intriguing, but I, again, I'm just waiting another week or two and seeing if that's an aberration or not. Um, he's worth getting on your bench, but I'm not, he's not plug and play right now. And we've already talked about two quarterbacks who have much more favorable matchups that if you're looking, if you're needing to stream a quarterback, go with Sam Darnold, go with Baker Mayfield. Don't, don't, you know, uh, put yourself on Dak Prescott's shoulders to trust. And this is a good week for what should I do at quarterback? So we've got green Bay on by Mm. Oakland. I mean, if you're, (laughs) if you have Derek Carr, buddy, come on your soul. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh and Seattle. I mean, the, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger is probably starting. You know, someone stupid like me probably thought Russell Wilson was going to be fantastic. So it is good to bring up streaming options this week for us. And I think Dak Prescott, like, even though I don't think he's going to be that great, God, it just seems like these games are always so high scoring. They really yeah. do. Do you guys, what do you think, honest opinion, what are your feelings about this new, presumably unstoppable offensive wave of the NFL? I don't care for it. I don't like the idea that you can't hit the quarterback. I don't like the idea that if you send a 175-pound wide receiver over the middle, nobody can tackle him. I hate spearing with your helmet. That's stupid, but I feel like we're overcorrecting. Hopefully that comes out in the wash. It's almost as boring as if it's too hard to score on yeah. certain teams. And the defense is just too tough for a, a offensively inept team. But, I mean, you're behind the curve if you can't put up, you know, 25 to 30 points per game. And, I don't know, every now and then I like having a good defensive battle. And it's just I it's love a little bit too much. Yeah. It's just it's everyone's implementing these college schemes on offense, which is great. Always stay ahead. Like, Keep innovating because the stuff that Andy Reid is running with the Chiefs is beautiful to watch. Oh, like it's it's, so it's just amazing to watch. Uh, and the stuff that McVeigh is doing with the right. Rams that's it's, so beautiful when you watch them. Gorgeous. Twenty two. Oh, it's it's beautiful. But there's nothing there's nothing to take from college on defense. Like no defense in college is stopping these offenses. And there's like I don't know what the defensive change is going to be other than just like get more freak athletes everywhere in order to shut down these offenses because because you guys are right like a a close game is a close game and that's fun and i think that like right now it's becoming where the team that scores 40 wins right or makes one defensive play one defensive stop in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter wins which i don't know i don't know if that's that's really all you know it's exciting but it's not necessarily a football that i want to watch or enjoy i mean i think what you have to do now is get after the quarterback and jam wide receivers at the line of scrimmage and i just and you have to make that super quick 175 175 pound wide receiver think twice about running that crossing route right you just can't do that yeah i don't know i don't know the solution but i mean spearing is terrible and like you can see those helmet to helmet hits where people decided to use their helmet and that's obvious, and you should get thrown into the game for that, and we shouldn't allow that. But, like, Jordan, I know, like, Clay Matthews accidentally landing on top of a quarterback. Breathes on the drive. Like, what the F? Like, we're going too far with this. Yeah. You know, well, like, and we, we saw it last uh, Sunday night, too, with the um, with the Chiefs and Tom Brady just being able to scamper right into the end zone because the defender right. was just too afraid yeah. to, yeah, to pull him down to the ground. Like, who knows? Even even if he didn't land on him, if he like threw him to the ground in some way, he still could have gotten a flag. And well, he had thought been... he had thought that he had thrown the ball already, and so and so he was just like, okay, I'm going to let up because yeah, because if he takes him to the ground, that's now a penalty. But it was obvious that the defensive player had the upper hand right. and was worried about what might be called yeah. on them because of what he was doing to Tom Brady. He... <laughs> And again, like, I'm all for making the game safer. Really, I am. Like, this idea that, like, oh, let's put skirts on. I'm like, that's just f***ing hyperbole and stupid. But I do think we are swinging a little bit too far. And the pendulum will hopefully come back a little 
Yeah. A little bit I mean, worse. the biggest thing for me is, is that we've seen a lot of new creative offenses implemented. I have yet to see in like the last five or so years, some like truly creative defenses implemented outside of just having phenomenal talent. Like the Legion of Boom yeah. ran a cover three perfectly because they had the perfect players to play that scheme. But it wasn't a new scheme. It wasn't anything like completely intricate or amazing or beautiful. It was just the perfect players for a basic scheme. And I don't think you can I don't think you can run any kind of cover three ever again in the NFL with the kind of different routes and combinations that are being utilized and all that kind of stuff. It's it'll be interesting not to see the how they can get away with putting out there. Not with T.Y. Hilton, not with right. Tyree Hill, right. not with yeah. Brandon Cooks. You can't do that anymore. No. Um, all right, let's move on to the Carolina Panthers at the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this game could be very exciting. Clark, what do you got? It's going to be a great game. I know that we're running long, so I'll keep it short. Uh, Wentz is starting to return to his I'm a possible MVP discussion. He's he's starting to look better and better each week, which is really appealing to just football fans and to Philly fans, of course. Uh, so my sneaky, so maybe not the sneakiest start in the world this week is Nelson Aguilar. I feel like the Eagles wide receivers are back in the, like, let's go ahead and start them. I feel like there's going to be three touchdowns to go around. Uh, and man, I can't wait to watch this game. Yeah, this is gonna be a good one. Also, I have to say, man, I do love watching watching Cam Newton play. Yeah, I mean, he seems like a real dickhead in real life, but he is a fantastic. He's just such a. Player. There's just no one else like him in the NFL. It's like watching. It's like watching what I'm sure I wasn't enough of a basketball fan at the time to truly and fully appreciate it. Like watching Shaq on the Lakers. Right. Oh, you you mispronounced watching Akeem Olajuwon. <laughs> yes, sorry, that's who I meant. Yeah. Um, where it's just like you're like I, I mean, no one can no one can stop this guy. If Cam Newton wants to get 15 yards, Cam Newton's getting 15 yards. He's a 260 pound six five person. That's a really good analogy. It's like this guy's the biggest guy out there. He's really talented. We know what's going to happen, and we can't stop it. Right. And that's why having Cam Newton is one of the most. Uh, satisfying and frustrating things on your team because when you accidentally have to watch the Panthers play, you're like, he's 12 for 36. Like, what's going on? But then you look up and you're like, oh, well, he got me 37 fantasy points. Like, right, okay. right. Because he breaks, you know, a 30-yard touchdown run uh, in late in the game. Uh, all right, moving on to what could be. I think these next two games are going to be the best games of the week. Uh, New Orleans Saints at Baltimore to take on the Ravens. This game, Whew, this game's going to be awesome. Talk about, we were just talking about explosive offenses and how it's taking over the league. This Baltimore defense, though, is still somehow, man, <clears throat> year in, year out. This 20 defense 20 years legit. straight. Always legit. It is amazing. A testament to, to that whole coaching staff, despite the fact that I hate the Ravens. I got to give them credit. Um, my play for this game is actually a sit, and I'm saying sit Alvin Kamara. His first game with uh, Mark Ingram, he had a season-low 31 snaps and just nine touches. Obviously, jury's still out as to see if that's the norm now, but he's not really coming to a great situation against the Ravens' defense that's best in the NFL against running backs, third in run, DO, uh, run DVOA, uh, and averages only nine points to opposing backs. And that's on the ground, and if you think that they're going to – that. Alvin Kamara is going to be able to make up some of his difference through the air. They're tied for 15th in running back targets, but they're tied for 29th in receptions and dead last in receiving yards. So teams are targeting their running backs at like a pretty average rate, but the running backs aren't making catches and they're definitely not getting yards. So I think Alvin Kamara could be in for a pretty lackluster game. So as someone who ranked Alvin Kamara as the second best running back in football at the beginning of the year, and someone who is heavily invested in Alvin Kamara. You bring up a lot of good statistical points, but no. This game's yeah. going to be incredibly interesting. It is an incredibly potent offense against, like you said, one of the most consistently good defenses throughout the year. I have no idea what's going to happen, and I cannot wait to watch this one. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. Yeah, I'm still playing Alvin Kamara. He's just in that category of never sit. You have to. It's like Odell Beckham. I mean, like, even though Beckham's handed in turd shows most of the year, you, you're still playing. It's fair. It's fair. I, I, had to go, I had to go slightly risky with no, my sit. It's bold. And, and if someone would have said this last week, I would have said you're crazy. And they and would yet, have turned out to be absolutely right. They would have been right. Yeah, I yeah. Didn't, quite, didn't have the cojones to make this my lock. Um, but 
but I, I yeah maybe you don't understand luck i think luck <laughs> means some incredibly phantasmal thing that may not happen and then you say that it's a surety <laughs> that's uh, true that's true i'm just mis- misinterpreting the word luck and what it means on this podcast uh last game of the of the uh, that we're going to talk about of the week uh cincinnati Bengals at kansas city chiefs i mean this is just this is just going to be a million <laughs> points to a million points right so the Chiefs have not failed to score a ton of points on everyone, and they have also not failed to given up a ton of points to everyone. There is no sit in this game. If you're wondering, should I blank this blank? Start that person. Andy yeah, Dalton, is, seven touchdowns. This is like a first to 42 type of game. Like whoever gets there first is winning. Um, or like worst case scenario, the Chiefs, kill the Bengals and it's like 52 to 28 you know but, like it's but even like, 28 you're still aj green's still gonna get his. tyler boyd's still gonna get his yeah. joe mixon's like there you're still gonna get plenty of fantasy production there's no way that the that the kansas city chiefs defense is keeping the Bengals' offense under 25 points and so even if they get blown out because the chiefs score 45 like 25 points is still enough to go around to get everyone productive fantasy games. Worst case scenario, there will be so much garbage time that everyone will be Ozoma, right? You know, whoever the backup for Mixon is, like, yes, get get all these people into this game. Yep. Or not for Tyler Croft. I thought he was really gonna Yeah, I thought he was gonna take over that tight end role, but that has not happened. Go Ozuma. And Tyler Boyd, like each week I keep thinking, like, oh, that's not gonna happen again. <laughs> Whoop. Yep. Nope. nope. Every time. Oh God. It happened. It's, it's beautiful. I have him on. I think I might have him on the RB1 league. Um oh, speaking of which. Did you have your first loss? <sighs> finally had my first loss. Crushing this week. Clara the Mighty. Finally made some roster moves. Finally cleaned out a couple of guys that were on IR. Really <laughs> need to start paying attention to this league. Oh, Clara the Who'd you lose to? Uh, someone who was better than me. I don't, I don't know. Oh. Well, congrats to that person. I know you're a listener and way to take down Clara the mighty. My guy, Saquon Barkley just put up huge points in the RB one league. Saquon Barkley had himself a game last week. And yet the giants are just hot garbage. I just hot garbage. And y'all think Eli's a hall of famer. Let's, let's go down that road again. <laughs> oh, I'm so I thought glad. at some point, that seems to be the debate now, though, is the Barkley um, or name X rookie quarterback. Quarterback, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you, I saw you you had this on Twitter, Jordan, and I actually agreed with you where it's like, look, they made the investment in Barkley. They're going to still suck. They're going to draft themselves another cornerback. And now that rookie quarterback comes in with a top three running back, a top three wide receiver, uh, a top, you know, five to set six seven maybe tight end if he's healthy like sterling shepherd is a top 15 like you know there's a lot of offensive weapons there a lot of pieces to use they got to fix that offensive line clearly but i think there's i there was some wisdom in in what you were saying jordan if you wanted to you were the one who actually said it so i probably paraphrased paraphrased it poorly my thing is with with barkley and like the whole running back scenario i'm just a running back stand like i'm always going to believe that running backs have value in this league still and i get that you can get good running backs in like the third and fourth round and they can put up really good production for you the thing is i don't think those stats apply to saquon barkley i think he is probably the second or third most talented running back in the league and he's more of a and this sounds super cliche because we've seen this fail with a lot of people before, but he's just an offensive weapon. Like you throw him the ball, you let him run the ball. I think he has like um, close to a thousand yards of all purpose offense already. And like I said, it's, we don't know for sure if these other quarterbacks are going to be Super Bowl caliber. I think a few of them are going to be good. I think Darnold and Baker are already proving their mettle, but at the same time, I I don't think if they hit on a quarterback next year, then we're already talking about how Saquon is helping out this rookie quarterback just in a way that, you know, you feel like David Johnson should have been, should be able to help out Rosen or. um, That's about it. Look at, look at Baker. They bought a lot of offensive weapons to help out Baker and it's working. I think the David Johnson mention is perfect. And what's so sad is that, 
we think that all you need to do is bring in this offensive weapon, bring in this quarterback. And we've seen so many potentially good quarterbacks just ruined by not having an offensive line. Right. And the Cardinals have no offensive line. So how's their hot new rookie and perhaps the best running back in the league looking? And and it's just, it's tragic to think that New York next year is going to draft the best, if not one of the top two or three best quarterback prospects. And they're going to stick them behind one of the worst offensive lines in the year. And they're just going to ruin them. Yeah. They're just going to absolutely ruin them. It's what the Texans are doing with Deshaun Watson. We see this over and over and over again of like the offensive line seems to be really devalued in football, but like all those teams that really seem to surprise us every year seem to have a really good offensive line where people don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Like with, with offensive line though, what you want to do now is unless they're like super out of this world, good rookies, like my guy, Quentin Nelson, that you, the offensive line just aren't good right away. Um, you've seen in the past couple of years, a couple of tackles go like number one overall, and they just haven't been good because it takes them so long to adjust and adapt to the NFL game that I think buying and handing out big money to offensive linemen is just the better way to go. And it, that's going to be their route. They're going to use the rookie QB contract yeah. situation that every other team is using. And with, I mean, I get Saquon Barkley's making like $9 million a year, but the salary cap balloons like $10 million every year anyway. And mm-hmm. I don't I, I just think the salary cap in the NFL is just not a factor, really. Like, I mean, they get more money. They move contracts around. People get cut. They trade people. They, make, they figure it out. They make all the, all the money. Yeah. Andrew Brandt on Twitter is a great follow and he has a great understanding of this. He used to be an executive with the green Bay Packers. And now he does a podcast with Ross Tucker and he does his own podcast. And if you're really interested in how the salary cap works, uh, Andrew Brandt is a great follow. And it's basically like, you can always come up with money unless you do incredibly stupid shit like the Cowboys. Yeah, or the Saints mm-hmm. for a long So, time. like, unless you have a ton of dead money, like you said, Jordan, you can always move contracts around. You can always, you know, give some signing bonus and then cut somebody. You know, you can always do things like that unless you're one of these, you know, worst organizations in football. But then there's these teams that just sit in the middle because they never get an offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds personal, Clark. <laughs> I am a Texan. I am a heart. sad Texans fan. We're gonna ruin another David Carr. Uh, and with that, let's leave Clark in a pit of despair. Uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and on Stitcher. Uh, rate, review, give us five stars. Uh, like us uh, and follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Uh, good luck, everyone, in your week seven matchups. Have a good weekend. We'll be back into your beautiful ears uh, Tuesday morning. And until then, uh, peace.